Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. We begin hour number two of the Lombardi Line, presented by DraftKings. I am Dave Ross, in for Stormy today. I want to welcome everybody here at DraftKings, tuning in right now for our second hour here on VSIN. And, Michael, for those that might have missed it at the, off the top of the show, we were talking about those two wild games in college football last night that we saw in the national semifinal. Look, I get it. We're going to get expansion. We're going to enjoy it. I'm going to love watching all the games and betting on all the games. But it really doesn't get a whole lot better than that. Did you feel like the committee was probably like, take that, America. Told you we got it right. You know, I, I think they did. I, I really think Georgia – when you look at it, I think there's the one loss team, Georgia, probably you could have made the argument over Texas. But look, Texas played well. Uh, you know, that game was a lot closer than the score, especially as the end of the game happened. You know, they settled for the field goal to get within to get within six. And mm-hmm. then they were they couldn't get the onside kick. And then unfortunately, the kid gets hurt, oh, which man. cost him a time. You know, that really hurt. That gave Texas if Texas would have be- made a throw at the end of the game. It would have been one of the worst losses for the University of Washington or college football because 40 seconds would have been long gone from the clock. But Washington's defense rose. I think it did. You know, Washington deserved to be there. And they are the ranked two team behind Michigan. And they played. They had some close games down the stretch. But we saw Michael Penix yesterday. If any player helped his draft stock yesterday, it was Michael Penix because the inconsistencies through the season, we weren't sure – his ribs, how was he playing? Tough, tough game against Washington State, tough game against Oregon State, right? Utah didn't look like, oh, you know, he's missing. But yesterday he was really, really good, and his deep ball throwing was outstanding. And every NFL team wants to have the ability to throw the ball in the third level. Think about this, Dave. Desmond Ritter has completed 18 passes over 20 yards. Patrick Mahomes has only completed 15. Wow. Yeah. And so the, the, the ability to make explosive plays is critical in football. And the accuracy that this kid displayed down the field, 
is what every NFL team wants. I could only imagine Al Davis sitting there watching the game thinking, oh, my God, if I had Cliff Branch with this guy, I oh. would be unbelievable. Boy, boy, put him in the silver and black out here in Las Vegas. That would be pretty exciting prospects. And you're right. Michael Penix certainly put his best foot forward. And I love the way you phrased it there about Washington. Like deserving. They deserve to win that football game last night. And they did hold on to do it. And it's ironic that it's the last two undefeated schools now that are going to play for all the marbles next Monday night. You know, undefeated Washington, undefeated Michigan. Not saying it's going to go away with expansion, but there is a real possibility we're going to start seeing one loss, two loss schools playing for the national championship. And, and I know we're always on to expansion, bigger and better. But, man, I really feel like they, they kind of got it right in the last decade yeah. with, with the playoff system here, Michael. So, again, let's change, let's adapt, and we'll like it. But it really doesn't get a whole lot better than what you saw on, on display last night. Um, you wrote an article here, and it's rather fascinating that I want to get into here in this segment. And it really is going to help people out there before they place their bets on week 18. It's kind of like, you know, do's and don'ts and, and rules for betting week 18, because now we're going back to almost like preseason in a way for some teams. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to go as the general public or the betting public. Oh, that team doesn't want to be there. But rule number one is don't assume that a team's not going to try, right, Michael? I mean, you yeah. still have to put stuff on tape for executives like yourself to, oh, to yeah. sift through. No question. And the free agencies out there, coaches want to put good stuff on tape. Look, I think it's a difficult situation. At times, your team's not good enough. You may have bad tape. Carolina doesn't have good tape. You know, Washington doesn't have good tape. But they're going to try. I mean, if Washington was going to quit, they would have quit against the Jets when they got behind 21 to nothing. And they fought back. Mm. So they're, they're really this idea that teams don't try. We saw the Chargers basically quit when they came to the Raiders and forced the owner to have to fire Brendan Staley. They quit in the second half when against Denver in the first game when Herbert got hurt. They said, no, we're not playing for our coach either. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that was kind of – you could see that. But so far right now, you won't see that. Teams want to win. And this, and we have this NBA mentality where everybody is thinks they're all worried about their draft position. I can tell you from being there, nobody's worried about their draft position. It is what it is. You want to win the last game, at least you want to enjoy the offseason and knowing you won a game. So I think don't assume that this team isn't going to try, especially the teams that go to their backups, because the backups want to play good too. You know, you and I sat here a week ago and talked about Denver and specifics, and everybody was like, oh, they're quitting on Sean Payton and blah, blah, blah. And you and I are like, oh, I kind of like Denver next week against the Chargers, and they ended up covering that number. And that's rule number two. If a coach like a Sean Payton is certain to be coming back for another year, but his team isn't in contention, they're going to play hard and try to win kind of like we just talked about, right? No question, they will. Look, if the guy standing in front of the team is due back and the players know he's coming back and he controls their future, he controls their salary, Week 18 will be no different than Week 8. They're going to play. They're going to play their tails off. And they're going to game plan. And the coaching staff, important here now, the coaching staff is going to play their tails off. Mm. Now, where you get a little bit fuzzy here is the third rule, interim coaches, right? So, you know, we know that Chris Tabor's not coming back as the head coach. So how how does he motivate his team last home game? Nobody's going to be there. There'll be more Buck fans than there will be Panther fans. (laughs) Their owner's under, under a lot of pressure. That's a hard one to handicap. Avoid that. I would avoid that everybody thinks the Raiders are going to play hard in the last game. Well, maybe they will, 
But it's going to take a lot of Antonio Pierce motivation to get them back up. What they'll do is they'll throw two passes to Devontae Adams to get him 100 catches. But will they play effectively for the whole game, especially knowing that the coach isn't coming back? How lax are they during the week? So I think rule number three, avoid those interim coaches because they're not coming back and it becomes a real issue. Jeff Smith out in, in Charger land. You know, everybody thinks, well, the Chargers are playing the, the Chiefs. They won't. It won't matter. I think that does matter. I think it's like they don't care. Nobody's going to be there. It'll be Chief fans. It's a preseason game, essentially, and I wouldn't rule the Chiefs out of winning a preseason game. Yeah, and that's a great rule, by the way, because you, you get the interim bump, like the, the first week, but that, by this point, now it's like very different from week 18, from that first week, from whenever somebody else takes over. And we've seen those examples throughout the year, especially with Pierce uh, and what happened in L.A. with the Chargers. Rule number four is interesting. Those teams like the Cowboys, like the Bills, like the Packers, everything to play for. They know it, too, and they feel it, right, Michael? That's where pressure yep. kind of can, can break some pipes. <laughs> No question. I think what Will Hill said in the last block is true. They have all the pressure on them. They can't, they don't, they don't play loose, you know, all week long. Look, we can't turn this ball over. We can't make a mistake. We got, and all of a sudden it becomes very tight and everybody's playing too tight. They're not playing loose because it's, you're literally walking on the edge of a building. And you don't want to take a bad step. And we naturally assume that the Bucks are going to play good. Well, they, maybe they can't handle the pressure. Mm. Maybe they can't. Maybe Green Bay can't handle having all that on them. They couldn't last year. Detroit went in there, coach coming back. They knew Dan Campbell was coming back. They wanted a springboard to 2023. They did. Helped them really beat the Chiefs. They went in there and won the game. They played loose. They played free. Green Bay played tight. Remember, Green Bay had Aaron Rodgers. They held, they held Detroit to 20 points. They only scored 16. So I think you have to really understand that just because a team has to win, the Saints have to win. Are they going to play tight? Will Carr play scared? I think you have to look at that, right? Atlanta, you know, they're, they're in the same boat. Will they play? Heineke's not going to play. It's a little bit of a tough situation. So I, I think you have to just don't assume that a team that has to win playing a team that doesn't have anything to play for is going to roll over. Let me just tell you my doomsday scenario as a Cowboy backer with future tickets on, on them winning the East. Now it's over, right? They're playing the Commanders. It's said and done. They're the two seed. Mike McCarthy goes out there, lays an egg, not only because they could they lose the two seed, he might lose his job. I mean, he's out by oh, pressure. Yeah. He knows that, right? Like, that's the doomsday scenario for Mike McCarthy. You go to D.C. and lose to Ron Rivera in this game with everything on the line, rule number four could cost him his job. It could. And, and look, we don't know about what Philly's going to do. We haven't talked about this today. But Philly could be, knowing the way the Eagles use analytics and all that, Philly might just not care. They'll take the fifth seed and play Tampa. Hmm. And there, Sirianni said, we haven't made that decision. We're going to sit down and talk about it, which tells me, and the line's moving towards the Giants, yes. which tells me they may just resign this game, try to win it with Marcus Mariota. Try to win it without playing Kelsey at center. Try to win it without playing any of their guys who are hurt, you know, and see if they can beat the Giants. Look, they might. They might be able to do it. Wow. But try to rest their guys and get ready because what good is it going to beat the Giants if they lose a guy like Brendan Staley loses Mike Williams last year in that playoff game in a meaningless game that didn't matter? Yeah, totally. Uh, that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on this week. Rule number five, teams that are getting and building momentum – 
want to mo- maintain that Uncle Mo on their side. Any teams out there that you see that fits this criteria? I think this is Detroit. Yeah. I think Detroit. I don't, I don't think you can underestimate Dan. Now, that's the Lions three. I think everybody thinks Dan Campbell's going to take his foot off the gas. I don't. I could be wrong, but I think that Detroit wants to play well. I think Detroit wants to play well. I think they want to beat Minnesota, and I think they want to go in on a positive note. Minnesota last year, they did that against Chicago. They blew them out. They won that game, and now they lost the first round of the playoffs, but it gave them some life. Same thing, you know, and I think really when you look at it, the teams that have the Rams – didn't play well last week in New York. They need that momentum. They should want the sixth seed to go play Detroit, not the seventh seed to go play Dallas if that's the team. So I think if you have momentum, you want to keep playing well, especially if there's some you know, dispute over your seeding. Where are you? Yeah, it is fascinating to see teams like Detroit, Baltimore with the number one seed wrapped up. They're going to rest some guys, but as you mentioned, Michael, you can't. You only have 53 man roster. You can't, you can't rest, rest everybody. <laughs> you can't rest 40. So you got some really good players out there still playing for both Detroit and Baltimore. All right, when we come back, let's talk about some of these awards markets. Some of them feel like they're wrapped up. Others feel like maybe hanging in the balance. We'll discuss when we come back right here on the Lombardi Line. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. This week, new customers can bet $5, pocket 150 in bonus bets instantly, and 
you're going to get NBA League Pass for the rest of the season. Download the app. Use the promo code VSIN when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is all for you. Don't know who's going to wear the crown here at the end of the NFL season, Michael Lombardi. Uh, but I do look at the MVP, and I feel like that crown is done. Like, whether, whether or not we think it's justified or not, Lamar Jackson, who was 20 to 1 to win the award in October, is now, there's a lot of zeros. That's why I have to pull my glasses on. Uh, minus 20,000 to, to win the MVP. So then it becomes Dak Prescott 18 to 1, Brock Purdy 30. Like, I don't see any other movement where you can make a case for anybody else. This thing is over because if Lamar doesn't play this week, he can't lose the award, right? Yeah, no, I don't think he can. I don't think anybody else could make a case unless Josh Allen goes down there oh. and plays lights out and, you know, carries this Buffalo Bills team into the playoffs. But I don't see that happening based on the performance against the Patriots last week or the performance against the Chargers the week before. So, you know, it was interesting what Will Hill said in the last hour about Mike Sando, about yeah. him voting for Matthew Stafford. You know, I mean, look, I think Stafford's played great. I don't think there's any question about that. Does he fit more in the comeback player of the year award mm. than the MVP of the league? I don't think he's the MVP of the league. I think he's played really, really well. I think if, if you give him the MVP of the year of the league, you better give Sean McVay coach of the year. So those two things kind of should go hand in hand if that's the way you're going to go. But for me, I, I'm with you. I think Lamar has this thing wrapped up. He should. And he didn't, and he hasn't even come close, David, to his to his MVP year th three years ago. Yeah, that, that's the amazing part here. And again, I always talk about this in the network. I, I avoid these markets, Michael, because it's a lot of these are narrative driven. I'm not. I think Lamar Jackson's going to win the MVP, and I'm not. I have no problem with that. But when you get to like comeback, because I think you mentioned it there with Matthew Stafford, what's the criteria? There's no yeah, criteria. Nobody knows. Right. There's no. Nobody knows. They don't set anything out there for us as gamblers to say. Well, this is. You can look at this criteria baseline here. At least in the NBA, I'll give them credit. Now they're putting some criteria in some of these awards. You mentioned comeback. So Demar Hamlin, who was minus a dollar forty. Uh, and by the way, was sitting at, at minus uh, a thousand just two weeks ago. That has dropped dramatically, and I'm not saying because of people like us, but we've talked about Joe Flacco here, saying, "Hey, you could have got him a couple weeks ago at seven to one, four to one just a week ago, and now he's basically even money." <clears throat> Baker, there's Matthew Stafford at seventy-five to one, and Baker there at twelve to one. Again, no criteria because Demar doesn't have an impact on the game, but we no. understand you pull at the heartstrings. And what he's coming back from in real life is much more dramatic than Flacco, Baker, or, or Matthew Stafford. Right. But there's, but that's not coming back. He, right. You know, look, coming back from, from death <laughs> right. deserves an award itself, right? And this kid is remarkable, right? And the fact that he got himself on the field. But even though the Bills had injuries to safeties, he didn't play that much. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of unfair to Flacco, who came in off a couch, Right. Nobody wanted Flacco. Flacco didn't even get invited to a training camp. Wow. You can't come back further than that, right? No. I mean, he's come, come back. I mean, he's back, 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 back. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. So, and, and when we were giving this out, well, I think he was 1,001. I mean, when he, after that Ram game, I said he should be comeback player of the year just on that game alone. I, I, Look, this team won 11 games. Yeah. They've won. He's thrown for more yards than, than, than Watson, who's making, you know, zillions of dollars. I mean, you got to give it. Where's this coming from? 
Look, I think Baker Mayfield, had he maybe won that game mm. last week against the Saints, you could make the argument. I think Matthew Stafford at 75 to 1 is ridiculous because he's playing at a, at a very high level. To me, this would be Flacco, Stafford, and then Mayfield. Because Mayfield, really, when you watch the Bucks, they are very inconsistent. Like, they beat Atlanta in Atlanta three weeks ago, and Mayfield led them on the last drive of the game. But for, for basically 56 minutes of that game, he was horrible. Yeah. He was horrible. And, and that's, again, the criteria part of, like, what are you coming back from? Like, we know Stafford's coming back from injury. Flacco's coming back from nobody wanted Flacco to the point that he, he basically lobbied to the Jets – Hey, I want to come back. And Robert Sala, no, nah, nah, we're good. We, we, we don't want you back here. And he goes to Cleveland and ironically wraps up a, a, a playoff berth by beating the Jets, which is very, very comical. So if you can't win the comeback or the MVP, sometimes you look at the Offensive Player of the Year award more in, in uh, relation with the MVP. And like Chris McCaffrey, who was on that short list now and feels like an extreme long shot in the MVP market. What about C.D. Lamb with what he's done yeah. recently? Can he now make a case? He's hopped up there to 15-1, to 1 and Tyreek's having an unreal year as well. How would you navigate this market? I mean, all three of them are worthwhile. All three of them are good. I couldn't argue with any one of the three. McCaffrey, you know, I mean, he gets credit for everything that goes good in San Francisco, even though they got Kittle, even though they got Debo, you know. I mean, but he does. He's that kind of that shiny diamond. Mm. that you can't take your eye off of because he does so many things so well. Tyreek is just, to me, I mean, Tyreek makes it all go. If they beat Buffalo, it's because Buffalo don't cover Tyreek. And look, when you watch Buffalo last week against the New England Patriots, they are not fast on defense. They're not fat. They will have trouble. I mean, Sean McDermott's going to have to play a lot of zone. He's going to have to make sure that he keeps the ball in front, and mm -hmm. he's got to hope his frush can really get after Tua. Because they're going to have trouble if they try to do that. And, look, I think C.D. Lamb, I kept waiting for when was Aaron Glenn going to take away the slant from mm. C.D. Lamb last week? And then when they put him in the backfield two weeks ago against Miami, he might be their best running back on the team too. So I'm with you. I, I think either one of those three could. I think C.D. Lamb is – I mean, the, if you asked most of America how close C.D. Lamb is to Tyree Kill in terms of yards – it, it, nobody would guess it to be accurate. No one would guess it to be accurate. He's only 66 yards behind him. Yeah, we, we've had it cemented in our head that it's Tyreek Hill and all the other receivers. are. I mean, CeeDee Lamb statistically, and I think the impact of the game, is right there uh, with Tyreek Hill. What's ironic to me is Raheem Mostert is having an historic year in Miami, right? Like, I think he's got the most touchdowns now in uh, yards of any Miami Dolphin running back in their history, he's 250 to one. I mean, that's how hard this market is to break through. Uh, and obviously the injury to Raheem doesn't help that he missed last week's game, a very pivotal one against Baltimore. Uh, I look at the defensive player of the year, and now it's Miles Garrett, if you can believe this, at minus 240. Micah uh, was the fave just a couple weeks ago. Now he's slipped in this market here to plus 250. And again, you and I talked about it last week. I'm still surprised that I, I get it because it's not a winning team. But but Max Crosby's had an unbelievable year, and yeah. he's at 50 to one. It feels like you know kind of that forgotten guy. Uh, is I, it, I think if you ask the coaches, yeah. If, if I was talking to a couple coaches, talking to a couple teams that played against them, you ask anybody in the league. Really, these awards should be done by the coaches. Yes, right. 
they should be done by the coaches. Like they, they should be filled out by the coordinators. And then you would have a real, you know, if, if you could get an honest, objective opinion, because Max Crosby at 51 is an injustice. No one plays as many plays as Crosby does. No one plays as hard as he does. And then you factor in like with T.J. Watt, too. Rarely do the Raiders play from in front. Right, like these guys, like Garrett and Parsons, when their team gets the lead, they can tee off and go after mm. it. I mean, Crosby's always in tight games, three point one one side or the other, and yet he his motor never shuts down, never. He's relentless, and he plays the run well. He can play on either side, like T.J. Watt. To me, I, I think that this is just shows you how unfair these awards are by him being fifty to one. Couldn't agree more. I, I think we've just fixed fixed the uh, the criteria. You ready for this, Michael? We let the assistant coaches and the head coaches vote, right? But they can't vote for players on their own team. Have we just solved? And right yeah, then we get right. a, then we get yeah. an honest evaluation of the league. Yeah, I think that would be honest. I think that's what we should do because at least they're watching the tape. These writers are not watching the tape. They're watching games. They might claim they're watching tape, but they're great in a production here or there. Or, oh, this guy had a great game or this guy had a sack. I mean, when you see the impact of the game is tilted because of Crosby, then it becomes a whole different thing. I think uh, when I become NFL commissioner, I'm going to eliminate the possibility of a tie. And we're going to redo these markets and have the assistants and the head coaches. That, that's my, my platform, Michael. Uh, coach of the year right here. It looks like Kevin Stefanski, it's over, right? He's going to yeah. be coach of the year, and he's earned it. Is there? I mean, you make cases for other guys. Certainly first-year head coaches like D'Amico Ryans, Shane Steichen, I think, as well. Uh, they're at 11-1. But uh, now Stefanski, I think everybody's just seen what a great job he's done there. Yeah, I think, look, when you lose – well, I mean, all you t- like I said yesterday on the show – like if you if you have any disagreement that Stefanski's not the, the the coach of the year, your first witness to the stand is Robert Sala, right? <laughs> That's your first witness. Look at the bad job he's done compared to the job that Stefanski's done. Now you say, well, Stefanski got a better team. No, the Jets have the greatest defense in the history of football. How could they? You know, so why wouldn't they win? So like I don't think it's close. Stefanski win eleven games with all these quarterbacks. He deserves it. Exhibit A and Exhibit B. I'd love to be in that courtroom because I think you just laid it out there perfectly. All right, when we come back, we're going to have Aaron Moore join us to discuss what he saw in college football last night and what he thinks he's going to see in the national championship game. Come on back. The Lombardi Line continues in a moment. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Become a VSEN Pro subscriber today. Get a daily email recapping all the best bets from our show hosts and guests. You're going to get unlimited access to our VSEN.com slash picks page. Sort those picks out by sport, matchup, event date, and more. Check the top VEASAN experts leaderboard to view betting records, profit, ROI, and see which VEASAN expert has the current hot hand. So for VEASAN Pro Picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus 24-7 video access, become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. Sign up now for just $9.99 at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. One of those experts and one of those guys you can get his information from is Aaron Moore, VEASAN.com writer, sports media professor. Give him a follow on X at Pub Relation Prof, P-R-O-F. Aaron, great to be back with you this week. Michael and I have been talking a lot about what we saw last night. And boy, you know, the committee's got to be kind of beating their chest a little bit today. Like, hey, America, did y'all enjoy those two games? Because they were pretty amazing to watch. What was your biggest takeaway from watching the, the national semifinals? 
Dave, just the way you described it as the committee and watching it on television, I think it goes back to what those games are. Those games are exhibitions to create the best type of college atmosphere in terms of what we can watch, in terms of what advertisers want. So in a way, everybody got what they wanted. Of course, not Florida State and not Georgia. But what that criticism was about who these teams are and who's being picked and who isn't, it was ultimately to be done to give us great television, to give us great entertainment for us at Vizen to talk about betting opportunities. So basically, everybody got what they wanted except Florida State, except Georgia, except Alabama. And now we see what happens with Texas as well, that those are all those are the losers when so many other people were winners. Adam, Aaron, let me ask you a question. I was watching last night, and I'm watching Texas, and I'm thinking, what will will Texas ever get back mm. to this game, playing in the Southeast Conference? I mean, because let's face it, the the big the Big Twelve wasn't great this year. They had the big win. We all we heard about was their incredible win against Alabama in Week Two. But tell me another game that they had a signature win in against a really good team. Michael, great point. Like we talk about Texas, will they be back? Yes, they get to the playoffs. And it is interesting that we critique them so much because no athletic department spends more money than the University of Texas. This is not the Daryl Royal days of the 1960s where they could get every great Texas player in high school to come and play in Austin. So certainly the game has changed. And I agree with you that now they're going into the SEC they're no longer the shining team. If they were in the Southwest Conference, they were the shining team. If Texas was in the Big 12, they were the shining team. Now they're going to play uh, Robin to the Batman of Alabama and Georgia. So it's going to be very difficult for Texas to get back there. The expectations are going to be high. There's going to be so much media attention. But yes, can they get into a 12-team playoff? Probably here or there. I think that would be their goal every other year or so to get in. But to be a national championship contender, when we see what Michigan has done in the Big Ten, the expanded Big Ten, and what Alabama and Georgia continually do, and that is put themselves in a position to possibly win a national championship. I think Texas moving forward is to get into the playoffs and hope they win a game or two. What, what about Washington here? Because it still feels like, and they're still opening up as a, a solid underdog in the national championship game here uh, next Monday night to Michigan. Have we just been, because it's Pac-12 after dark and, be, you know, because it's kind of this shiny offense, but we don't think they're really tough. Have we dispelled those rumors now? Or are they still out there that, okay, all that glitters is not gold? How do you view Washington after their win over Texas last night? Dave, I think it was legitimacy 101 for Washington. And I admit some of the games that I have gone against them, probably about the last four or five weeks of the season was, well, Washington can only win so many games. They'll catch up to Penix. And I was guilty of that as a handicapper and a better. Obviously, with an undefeated record, I was wrong. And Washington is there in a national championship game. They're catching about four and a half points. I do think they're still undervalued. And if you're looking at it from a betting perspective, Dave, and you like Washington, that I think the popularity and the momentum is going to go on Michigan. That if you want to bet Washington, hope 
this little uh, undeserving slight that they get continues. And maybe that line gets to five, possibly five and a half. And I think at that case, there's going to be fantastic value on Washington. I think there's value on them right now. They're undefeated for a reason. They've beaten the most top 25 teams in the country. So they have proven everything. The problem, just if we're talking about it from a media and handicapping standpoint, is, well, they play in Washington. They play in Seattle. East Coast viewers don't get to see them all that often. But from a handicapping perspective, you've got to take that all out now. They are where they belong to be. You have two undefeated teams, and Washington belongs they belong there. And if they're getting four and a half, maybe five points, I think you have to look at that side. You no know, question. I think they're continuing to get disrespect. And it's a matchup that I don't think that that Michigan has seen a quarterback of this ability to throw it up the field with these receivers. So this is going to be a fascinating matchup and how they approach it. Let's talk about next year. You know, we've heard all this transfer portal. There's a lot of teams going through. Who do you like as we look into next year? And we see who could potentially compete for one of those 12 spots. Well, Michael, I think the first thing you want to do if you're looking at a futures board is look for value. And you have to look past immediately the favorites. And even though there's going to be a higher odd total for teams like Georgia and Alabama, they're not going to be that two to one like they've been previously. They're still going to be the top teams, but they're going to come at about a four to one price because there's going to be more playoff games. So I think you want to go down the board. You want to go down the board and you want to look for value and you want to look for talent. And I think there's a fantastic opportunity for proactive futures bettors. You can get Ole Miss somewhere in the range of 25, 26 to 1. And I think that is a number that you need to jump on because it's not going to be there once college football talk picks up in 2024 around the summertime. So you could get a team that is legitimate, has a chance to leapfrog over Alabama, leapfrog over Georgia, and be the SEC's top team. And you can get a team that's probably going to go into the playoffs and have a 26 to 1, 26 to 1 odds total. I think that's a great number to get. And if you look at it just from a football standpoint, Ole Miss has won the transfer port. Mm. They are getting players. They have Jackson Dart coming back. I think one of the names you want to keep an eye on is Walter Nolan. He's a transfer from Texas A&M. He's a defensive tackle. He's a Warren Sapp type player. Ole Miss has everything you want. And one of the things they have going for them next year is the schedule. What a crazy schedule. Uh, Georgia and Alabama have going into next year. Georgia, just look at this. Undefeated regular season probably isn't going to happen. They have Clemson and Atlanta to start the season. They're at Alabama. They're at Texas. They're at Ole Miss. Then look at Alabama, what they have on next year's schedule. At Wisconsin, at Tennessee, at LSU, at Oklahoma, home against Georgia. Those two teams that we expect to run through the regular season – one, two, maybe even three losses. And then you look at Ole Miss, really they have a much easier schedule. They're at LSU and they have home against Oklahoma and Georgia. So I think from a handicapping standpoint, you want to look at value. And with these mega conferences, you want to look at who they're playing scheduling wise. And Georgia, Alabama are going to be there. Carson Beck is coming back. Jalen Milrow is coming back. They're going to be those teams but it's a lot harder of a trip to the college playoffs next year than we've seen over the last decade. 
90 seconds to go here with Aaron Moore, VEASAN.com. You know, it's fascinating because I was watching that Ole Miss game and they really uh, put it to Penn State there in the second half. Then I look at Penn State and I go, does does the expansion of the college football playoff help a school like Penn State that, that really feels like they just can't get there under the current system? Are those the type of teams that you're going to identify to to look at for, for better odds? Yeah, absolutely. You can get Penn State, Dave. They're in the 25 to 1 range as well. I think it helps them. It helps them get into the playoffs. Obviously, there's more teams. And I do think it helps us as betters that now if Penn State, with a new offense they should have going into next year, Aller being a little bit more of a veteran quarterback next year, it helps us as betters that now we have a team going into a 12-team playoff. And let's say Penn State. 25 to one, they win a game in that playoff. Then all of a sudden you have some equity Mm -hmm. that I think you want to look at. One of the points to think about is look at the college football playoffs next year. Like you bet the college basketball tournament, there's more teams, there's more ways to monetize your tickets and certainly seeding plays a role. So if you want to get an old miss 25 to one, you want to get a Penn state 25 to one Notre Dame teams like that, that you think can get in, and then maybe win a game, then all of a sudden you have the opportunity to monetize that ticket and college football betting becomes a lot like we've been accustomed to college basketball March Madness betting. It is the wild, wild west, gentlemen. It's going to be upon us next year. Aaron, appreciate the time the conversation Great as job, always. Great job, Aaron. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you. Thank you very much. Good luck to you guys. Great stuff there. Yeah, it's going to be wild, Michael. Again, I'll be excited when we get there, but boy, it doesn't get a whole lot better than what we saw yesterday. When we come back, put a finishing bow on this edition of the Lombardi Line. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? 
Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VEASAN.com. Check the current betting splits data. Want to know the money and the bets are moving for every single NFL, and we still have one more big bowl game. The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every five minutes. You can see the changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. We're always improving our betting splits and recently added soccer betting splits from around the world. Betting splits are another way. VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at VEASAN.com slash splits. Enjoying the conversation with Michael Lombardi. I am Dave Ross here on this Tuesday edition of the Lombardi line. I did want to get to when you look at some of the betting splits and how they're associated, as we just talked about that uh, with our betting splits page here at VEASAN.com, and also how you use the information that the coaches are giving you. For instance, in that Ravens-Steelers game coming up on Saturday. So we know that John Harbaugh has come out, Michael, and said he hasn't decided if Lamar Jackson is going to play in week 18. And I think that's why you saw this number, which is, was high as four and a half for Pittsburgh come back down to three and a half. You mentioned it earlier in the program. I think it's a great point. You know, you got the number one seed, you're going to have a lot of time off. And sometimes coaches are habitual and that they want to do things the way they do things. And that I know people might think it's crazy to play Lamar and I'm not saying he's going to play, but before you just blindly put in those bets, this is the type of information you need to know, correct? Yeah, no question. And I think, look, I, I could see him playing the first quarter. I could see him playing a quarter and a half, you know, because, look, the last time he would have played would have been New Year's Eve. Mm. And then the next time he plays again is January 21st. That's a long time off. Wow. And the difference is you could say, well, he has that much time off between seasons. Yes. But you have more practice time. You have more practice time. When you have the bye week, players got to, they're off, you know, and so you don't really have the ability to go out in pads and practice and get your team ready. Harbaugh spent a lot of time because of the way they lost in Europe two years ago or three years, whenever they played over there, they really did a lot of work how they were going to approach the London game. And they went over early, they went over Monday, and they really played well over there. I have a feeling after he lost at home with the number one seed to the Titans, mm. he's going to take a similar approach. It's not going to be what he wanted to do. He didn't play everybody in the last game. So I think he's going to want to try to do that. I'm not saying he's going to play them all the time, but once again, you know, what fans have to understand is you can only inactivate seven players, <laughs> right? So if you put Jacks, I mean, like when we played in 14, we had everything locked up. We were going to have a bye week. Brady played a quarter. Brady played a quarter, and, you know, everybody else kind of – and if somebody was hurt, you know, then we weren't going to push it. But you have to use what you have. It's like everybody's complaining about Chubb's injury to the ACL, and it's tragic, and it's a shame. It's a non-contact injury. Right. It was a non-contact injury. Like, you know, as Belichick says all the time, if you would have told me the play is going to get hurt, and I would have taken him out to the play before. Like, how do you know that? (laughs) Like, I don't know. Like, every, oh, he shouldn't have been in the game. You only have so many guys to put out there. 
right now the money and the, the, the bets in the handle certainly coming in on the side of the Ravens here. 72% of the bets there and the handle. Yeah, 67. It's going down. Yep. And I think it's with that information that you just uh, highlighted there, Michael, the possibility that, like, if Lamar plays for a quarter or a half, you got to factor that in if he does, in, in fact, play. Uh, another interesting <laughs> one, and you mentioned it off the top of the show, uh, it's the Vikings against Detroit. Detroit is locked in. Uh, they're going to be, it looks like they're going to be the three seed here. Uh, if things go the way that most people assume they, them to go. Minnesota has not decided again. This feels like quarterback carousel there and Jaron Hall. It did not look good in the first half. They, they go back to Nick Mullins. Didn't get a whole lot better in the second half either. So Kevin O'Connell said he's already decided on who it's going to be Michael, but he's not telling us until he tells the team. How does that right. dynamic work? Well, I, I think he doesn't want the team to read about it in the paper. I think he wants to explain to the team why he's going back to Nick Mullen. Mm. I mean, does he have any choice? <laughs> no. Does he have a choice? No. He can't go back to Hall. Hall was not really ready to play. You know, he's going to go, you know, he's got Detroit. That's going to be a hard place to go play. Now, the problem is Mullen, it's a little bit like he gives some and takes a lot away. Mm-hmm. You know, he just doesn't make enough. He, he's too careless with the football. And maybe he's hoping that that Detroit won't play very hard. I mean, everybody's betting Minnesota in this game. I don't understand it. I, I don't understand why Minnesota's getting action in the game. It's because I, I think Minnesota's, you know, without TJ Hawkinson, there's no safety valve to throw the ball to. Jefferson's a great player. I think Detroit's going to, I mean, Detroit, who are they resting on defense? I mean, who are they going to rest? They're not good enough on defense to rest anybody. They need to get ready. They need to keep playing. Yeah, the only guy would be Hutchinson if they decided to rest him. But, I, boy, it doesn't seem like Dan Campbell's DNA, to your point. The way he – No. Right? He's going to probably play 97. Well, because, look, we don't know what's in their contracts. Say he has, say Hutchinson has, you know, $50,000, $100,000 for 10 sacks, and he's at nine and a half. Are you going to go tell him he's not going to play in the game? Oh, no. Wait, no Why I'm don't get, you go tell him? Nope. <laughs> not me. You know? No, no chance. Like we don't, we just assume like everybody's just like these, everybody, well, he shouldn't play, you know, help our draft position. Those players, those people that say that never have talked to a team before. They've never had a look at a team, a, a player and say, you're not playing this week. We don't care about your incentives. How do you think that's going to go? I, I, How do you think that goes ooh, over? Not good. I, I can, I, I think you make a strong case there for the Lions here laying the three. So I can understand that uh, with that type of mentality that Dan Campbell's going to have. Buccaneers and, and Panthers, it's obviously every, everything is on the line for Tampa Bay. And you go, boy, it's just an easy walk in the park down there against a, a dead team in the Panthers. But we do know that Todd Bowles has said that Baker is dealing with some sore ribs, doesn't think it's going to be an issue for Week 18. Uh, he did leave that loss to, to the Saints last week for, for a bit. You know, the bets in the handle coming in on Tampa – we talked about it a little bit in hour one. Buyer beware here. I know Carolina doesn't look like they have anything. They get shut out last week. But if there's anything called professional pride, it might show its ugly head if you're a Buccaneers backer uh, on Sunday. Well, two weeks ago, they scored 30 points on the Packers. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, so they, they're a different team at home. Now, the Cowboys went in there and, and knocked their socks off. But I got to think there's got to be some pride. The owner's furious, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody's walking on eggshells. I mean, it's truly a a, a very toxic environment down there. And I could easily see the players saying, no, we don't want any of this. But do you really trust Tampa to play well? I know they went into Green Bay and played well. 
but can they play? You know, they played at home last week. And it, it's always a kind of a tough game between these divisional rivals because you got to play these guys again. And once again, we can't minimize there's tape out there. You want to show what your players – players want to play good, especially guys that are going into free agency. The, the, the eye in the sky is the greatest motivating factor for players playing in Week 18 than anything. So if things get a little bit dicey down there in Carolina for the Buccaneers, then it really means, let's just say that upset were to happen, right? Then all that relies down there with the Saints in the ATL. And Arthur Smith has said that Taylor Heineke is dealing with an ankle injury, doesn't know uh, whether or not he's going to be able to go against the Saints here. Now, again, if the Buccaneers were to lose, this game would be for the NFC South title, if you can believe that. Well, yeah, boy, but I, they're playing at the same time, right? They're right? both at 1 o'clock. So we're scoreboard watching here, right? And, and you do, right? I mean, it's hard not to if you know what's on the line. And you're Atlanta or New Orleans, you're going to be looking up. By the way, the, the bets are coming in on the Saints right now. They handle a little bit closer, 57% to 43, with the Saints as three-point favorites. Boy, I, you know, I, I feel like I should write on the Simpsons chalkboard, I will never bet on Atlanta ever again, r- over and over. But, Michael, here we go again. It feels like the quarterbacks don't even matter. They feel like the same guy in Heineke and Ritter. They just throw it to the other team. They throw it to the other team. But, look, the, la- the last time they played them, I mean, the last time they played, the-, the Falcons won in Atlanta. They won by nine. Now, Atlanta's a different team when they play at home, yep. right? Atlanta's a different team when they played at home. But, you know, they did play well. And, you know, Atlanta got 25 first downs against them against a good team. Right, they're a good team now. You know, Atlanta was able to run the football effectively on. They ran for 228 yards the last time they played. If they can go into the, the the Mercedes-Benz Dome and win, running the ball 41 times, God bless them. They can. But you know, look, Carr had a classic one of his days: 304 yards and 38 attempts, didn't score enough points. Very quickly here in the final 45 seconds that we have, we mentioned Sean Payton. He said, quote, these are important snaps and games for Jared Stidham. Is he really evaluating Stidham past this week 17, week 18? He's evaluating everybody. That's Mm. what I said today in the column. Like, don't think about, like, these coaches that are coming back, they're letting the team know, you better play play well in this game. It's important. Yeah, it seems very important, at least to, to Sean Payton. Everybody on the outside might not think it is, but it certainly is. Uh, to Sean and what's going on there in Denver. Michael, I really enjoyed the two-hour conversation, my friend. Can't wait to do it again. Uh, appreciate you as always. I believe you get Stormy back tomorrow. You never know where Stormy yeah. is because she's, she's doing every yeah. game out there. Yeah, we need a GPS on Stormy. <laughs> Thank you, David. Appreciate you. you. For Michael, I'm Dave Ross. Thanks for watching the Lombardi Line right here on Visa. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.